Hi, you're listening to the sermon podcast of Impact Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I'm Pastor Brandon, the church planter and lead pastor. We are a new church in the D.C. area that is centered on the gospel and sent to our neighborhoods, Northern Virginia, and the nations. Please visit our website at www.impactfxbg.church. There, you'll find our current meeting times and locations. Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening. All right. Well, hey, if you have a Bible with you uh, this morning, go ahead and grab that and uh, turn with me to the book of Colossians in the New Testament. It's kind of a small book, so uh, you may have to look around for it or scroll up and down a couple of times. But we'll be in the book of Colossians. If you're new to church, haven't been to church in a while, and you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. You can use your cell phone or a tablet. Feel free to do that. And, uh, and if you uh, don't know like how to use your cell phone, you can uh, just download an app. I use one called YouVersion, and, uh, and it's really great. It's got different versions and stuff of the Bible, and you can follow along with us today. So Uh, We'll be in the book of Colossians. But as you guys turn there, um, I want to introduce to you guys a brand new sermon series that we're going to be doing over the next five weeks. Uh, So four more weeks after this. And I'm so excited about it. It's called We the Church. And uh, the reason we're talking about this is because uh, what we're going to be doing, the reason we're talking about this is because uh, what we're going to be doing is talking about like who are we as a church and most importantly, like what should matter to us as the church. So like um, I can scroll through social media and have 50 people on my timeline tell me things that should matter to me as a Christian. And I get really overwhelmed and like super anxious because I'm like, why I do care about that. Why do I care about that? I care about that. And everybody's like, and if you don't do something, you're like not a Christian anymore. And it's like this crazy violence. So I thought like, let's get together. We're starting a new church and let's talk about like from God's word, like what should matter to us as a church. And specifically, not just the church, but what matters here? Like what matters as a brand new church in Fredericksburg, Virginia? Like what matters to us as a church? And, uh, and so really what I'm talking about are like deeply held convictions, like, like, like deeply held, like things that mind about. And I've got some, like I've got, uh, I think we all have like beliefs, right? That like no one is going to change our mind about like things that we just believe. And it doesn't matter. Like we can debate, we can talk, we can like, you know, share our different opinions and whatnot. We can still love each other, but like no one's going to change our mind. Like I've got a few of those, like for example, um, like I believe like to my core, like with all that I am, that Chick-fil-A is the best fast food restaurant on the planet. Like I believe it. Thank you very much. Thank you for your affirmation. I appreciate that. But here, here's the deal. It did not matter to me if you affirm me or not, because I already know it's true. Like I already, like I don't need, like I believe that. And you could sit down and say, but Brandon, like, have you had this chicken sandwich or have you had this restaurant or have, but overall, like between everything that I care about in the fast food industry, which isn't much, but the things that I care about, like Chick-fil-A is by far the winner and it's not even close. Like I just believe, and you're not going to change my mind. Like it doesn't matter how much you love Subway. Is Subway fast food? I don't know. It doesn't matter how much you love Subway. doesn't matter how much you love uh, McDonald's or like Burger King. Is Burger King still around? 
This whole thing, okay, it doesn't matter. Doesn't, see, I don't even care. It doesn't even matter to me because Chick-fil-A is the best fast food restaurant. Like, that's just a deeply held uh, conviction that I have. Um, I have another, like, I believe with all of my heart that baseball is the best sport in the history. Like, I believe it. Like, I would rather watch a baseball game than anything else. And people go, oh, but Pastor Brandon, it's boring. Like, or I don't want to watch it on TV, but I'll go if, like, someone pays for my ticket. Like, it does, like I don't want to go to a game with you. Like, I love baseball. And, like, when I go to a baseball game, unlike my four-year-old goes for the cotton candy, the popcorn, the drinks, the M&Ms, the everything at the playground. Um, I'm actually going, believe it or not, it's going to blow your mind, to watch the game. Like I, and, and I'm doing my best to raise a son in that way, all right? So like I just believe, like I have a deeply held conviction and value. I have another one. I believe like with all of my heart that the best TV series of all time is called The West Wing. All right. Like, I believe it with all like it doesn't matter if you're like, but but have you seen Friends? Yes. Like a million times. It's trash. I don't like Friends. Like you're like, well, but have you seen like Seinfeld or have you seen this show or this new Amazon or Netflix? No, I actually like I have a life. But I'm telling you, like I like the West Wing is it if you haven't watched it, watch it. And like, it doesn't matter if you have to pay for it. Like, just do it. Like, it is so good. And it's, and it's also a little bit of like uh, political utopia. So it makes everybody feel better. Like, it's just really good. All right. And, uh, and I love it. So, um, but I believe like no one's going to change my mind. Like, it doesn't matter. You can say all you want to. Oh, well, you've got to check out this show. I'm not going to because I already know like what the best TV show is. And I'm just going to keep watching that show. It's kind of like, where are my people at? They're like, like, when you go to a restaurant, you order the same thing every time? Anybody else? Okay, it's not just me. There's a few. Other. You don't want to admit it, but it's just true. Most of the time, it's the chicken fingers people, all right? There's like, doesn't matter. It's like, oh, they have the best chicken fingers, you know? And, uh, but that's just deeply held convictions and values. Um, another one, I just had to give a shout out to my mom because, uh, and uh, like I, I checked this with Ellen before I said this, but this is a deeply held conviction that my mom makes the best biscuits that I've ever had in the history of the world. Like, I just believe, like, nobody, but nobody makes food, like, the best. And, um, and so, so I just, these are deeply held convictions. And so, um, as we're talking today about, uh, and over the next few weeks, about church value, like, what are the beliefs, what are the convictions that we have as a church that guide us, that drive us? Listen, when we say the word value, like, when we have a value as a church, we're not just using the word belief. All right. Like like some people say, well, I my values guide me. And what they're talking about is like, well, I have certain belief system that guides me. Listen, a value is not just a belief. It is a belief that actually impacts the way you live your life. OK, a value is a belief that actually impacts the way you live your life. See, sometimes there is a difference and what people say they believe, and the way people live, right? Like, you can get together and say, like, well, I believe in your life. See, sometimes there is a difference in what people say they believe and the way people live, 
right? Like you can get together and say like, well, I believe in this and I believe in this. And then you watch the way they live and you're like, yeah, but do you really? Or is it just something that's convenient for you, right? Um, and so, so over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about values. Now, now listen, that does not mean that like, uh, I just tried to make this series like five weeks because I figured we didn't want to be here for like two years while talking about this. So I just made it like five weeks. So listen, these, these five values we're going to be talking about doesn't mean that this is all our church cares about. So everybody has a pet project, all right? Everybody's got something that really, really matters to them. And if we don't talk about your thing that really, really matters, so you just know that it probably falls under one of these five things. And if it doesn't, we'll add it to the list, all right? Like we don't, it's not, this is not like a, you know, a tell, like we're not trying to anyone or not say what matters most to you. We're trying to say in the Bible, we found like five things and there are more, but these are the five things for right now in this season that are going to guide us and actually impact the way we live as a church. All right. So today we're going to be talking. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this word down. We're going to be talking today about our first value. And that value is community, community. We're going to be talking about the value of community, a deeply held conviction in our church, that community with God and with others really matters. And when it comes to this conviction and this value, this value of community is actually going to guide and direct the things we do or don't do as a church. So let's read together Colossians chapter 3. Did I tell you guys where to turn? Oh, sorry. Colossians chapter 3. Man, you guys did so good not yelling at me about that. That's so good. I'm so proud of you. All right. Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 12. And I'm just going to read a little bit to you, all right? Um, Paul, uh, just to give you the context of what's happening, uh, is a guy named the Apostle Paul. Everyone say Paul. Sorry, you have to bear with me. I've been preaching to eighth graders all week, so I'm a little, you have to repeat after me some. Um, I, Paul is talking about what does it look like to live a new life as a Christian? Okay, so that's the context of this chapter. It's the context of what Paul's talking about. So he's like, now that you're in Christ, now that you're a follower of Jesus, what do you do now? What, is, what should life look like? And I, as a church, guys, we want to grow with people who are coming to Christ. Like we want to grow with people who are like first time believers in Jesus. And as we do that, like we're going to have to show them like our, these are our values. In other words, this is how you live. That's all they know. And so now we've said, great, you believe in Jesus. These other people believe in Jesus. Now you're a church. So all get together. And they're all like, imagine the awkwardness of that first Sunday. Like everybody's just sitting around like, you believe in Jesus. I believe it. We believe in Jesus. What do we do now? And so Paul is kind of telling them like, here's, here's how life should look. All right. So let's go Colossians chapter three and uh, start in verse 12. Colossians 3.12 says this. Uh, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Verse 13, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you so also you must forgive others. All right, let's stop right another 
And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive others. All right, let's stop right there. So Paul is kind of talking, he's like, okay, you following Jesus now, what do you do now? What does this look like? Like, what, what is this value? And I want you to see the value of biblical community in this passage. Like, I want you to see how Paul tells them to live in biblical community. Look at some of this. Like, these are things that affect our relationships with other people. In verse 12, he talks about having compassionate hearts. Like, compassionate. Compassion towards who? People. Like, be compassionate people. So in our biblical community, there should be an element of compassion, that we are showing compassion to one another. Kindness. Doesn't this seem like kind of a low bar to you? Like, I'm just thinking, you know, it's like you get together, uh, church, and you're like, all right, guys, all, and then you kind of look at what's happening in the church today, uh, at least in America, and you're like, no, actually, I think we could use that. Like, let's just get everybody in a room and be like, hey, guys, just be nice to each other, all right? Like, uh, maybe we should all go visit like a first grade classroom and just, you know, listen to the rules again, right? Uh, show compassion, be kind to one another. And so that's what Paul is doing, all right? And he says like, also he says the word humility, like being humble. In other words, not thinking of yourself more highly than you should. Uh, the word meekness, which just means, man, be, be like slow to put yourself out in front. Like just kind of stay back and, and, and just kind of be available, right? Don't, don't uh, be, be meek. Don't always put yourself out front. And then he says the word that we don't like, the word patience. And, uh, and this word patience really is not just a general patience, like I should be a patient person. This is like being a patient person with other people. This is like being a patient person with other people, all right? Because let's be honest, nothing tries your patience more than other people. Like everything that like tests your patience involves another human being, right? Like, like that's just kind of how it goes. And so Paul sets the bar real low. They're like, hey, we're following Jesus now. What should our church look like? And he's like, well, just be nice and patient with each other. And, uh, and so I go, oh, okay, I guess so. And then I, I can just imagine Paul like looking at their faces and they're like writing it down, you know, and they're like, be nice. Okay. Paul, what else? Well, be patient. Okay. Be patient. They're looking at him like, and, and like, give me more. Like if I just looked at you today and I was like, guys, biblical community is we're all going to leave here and we're going to be nice to each other. Happy Mother's Day. Let's have a great day. I'll pray. You guys would be like, really? I came to church for that? Like, the pastor's got them yelled at everybody to be nice to each other. Again, we could probably benefit from some of that. But then Paul goes, got them yelled at everybody to be nice to each other. Again, we could probably benefit from some of that. But then Paul goes, okay, you need more. How about this? In verse 13, he says, bearing with one another. One of my favorite verses about community in the Bible. Uh, he says, bear with one another. And I love this, because it doesn't mean all always get along perfectly with one another. Like one of Paul's commands is just to put up with each other. Like isn't that a little bit freeing to you today where you're like, there are just some people that I don't like, I would not choose to spend all of my time with. And uh, let's be honest, there's just some people different from us. Sometimes personalities rub the wrong way. And we think like as Christians, we should just always like, you know, always be perfectly uh, together and never experience any problems. And Paul, again, sets kind of a low bar. And he's like, actually, biblical community sometimes looks like just putting up with each other. 
Like, like you come into a room and you're together and you're just putting up with each other. You're just putting up with each other. And sometimes that is loving, right? Like sometimes the most loving thing you can do is just go, yeah, you know what? I don't have to be best friends with this person, but they're my brother or sister in Christ. So we're just going to bear with each other. Like we're going to show each other patience. And sometimes we're going to rub up against each other the wrong way. And, and we're going to show each other grace and, and mercy and patience and compassion with each other. And uh, then we're going to keep going and we're just going to keep serving the Lord. And so I love that, like this idea of biblical community. Sometimes when you really read it and think about it, you're like, man, this is, uh, yeah, this is like a low bar. All right, he keeps going. And he says, and if you have a complaint against each other, forgive each other. And this is where, like, as a pastor, I'm like, Paul, really? Like, you think it's that easy? Like, you think? Like, because I've done that. Like, as a pastor, I sit with people, and it's like, you know, somebody's complaining about another person. First of all, I'm like, hey, I'm not a kindergarten teacher. Like, I'm not here to, like, you know, for you to tattle on the other person. But then I'm just, I don't, I don't know. Um, maybe. I think there's something in here about that. Like, yeah, why don't you try? Like, just maybe try to talk to them, and then have you thought about just forgiving them? Like, uh, you know, just maybe you could forgive them. Oh, that'd be pretty hard, but I, I, I can try. All right, yeah, you go try, right? And that's kind of like how, like, that's what Paul's talking about. He's like, you're in Christ now, this biblical community. Like, this is what it looks like. Like, like the people in the church, listen to me, we ought to be the easiest people to confess our sins to because we should just assume that the response is going to be forgiveness. Like that's how biblical community should work. They're like, hey, I came in, I had a bad day, I popped off, I said some stuff I shouldn't have, I did some things I shouldn't have, and I just want you to know, like, I shouldn't have done that, and I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And that ought to be the easiest thing, because then God's people who have been forgiven by Jesus, like, I shouldn't have done that, and I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And that ought to be the easiest thing, because then God's people who have been forgiven by Jesus would look at someone and go, yeah, absolutely. I did that like 10 times this morning. Like, yeah, of course I forgive you. Like, yeah, like we don't want you to stay that way, so let us help you. But yeah, we forgive you. Like the church ought to be the easiest place to offer forgiveness and receive forgiveness. All right, let's keep going. Verse 14. And uh, Paul says, and above all these, everyone say above, above, above all of these. So like if you're ranking them, like if some of you are list people and you're making your list, if you're making lists and you got to go back and renumber them because this one, like Paul should have started with this one, but now he's like going off and he says above all of these. So this is number one, put on love, which binds everything together. Listen, in perfect. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Do you think that sometimes a lot of the division that happens in our culture and in the church could be solved if we just loved God with all of our hearts and loved our neighbor as we love ourselves? Doesn't that sound so simple? Like it's so simple. And then we look at God's word and we're like, where did we miss it? Because then we start putting stipulations on love, don't we? Isn't that what's happening now? As we put all these stipulations on love. Well, if you don't do this, you're not loving people. And then if you don't do this, you're not loving people. And so, like, people feel torn because they're being, but that's not love. Guys, love is thinking of the other person ahead of yourself. 
Love is, is loving God first and foremost and understanding his love. And once you understand him most and understanding his love. And once you understand his love, then you will have godly, biblical love to give to other people. And so love is not someone upholding your stipulations of love. That is not love, that is control. Love is putting the other person in front of yourself. And I think we could all use a dose of that. Look at uh, verse 15, let's keep going. He says, and let the peace of Christ, everyone say peace. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. All right, so what does he say here? Well, he says, first of all, if you want to live in biblical community, if you're following Jesus together, then let peace rule in your hearts. Like, don't be so anxious all the time. Now, listen, I'm not saying you can't be anxious. Um, some of you know my story. Like, that's something I've uh, definitely done. Like, go to the Lord who will offer you peace in your heart and live in that peace. So when you feel like especially relationships are, are doing this and you're not sure, like, are we okay? Are we good? Are they mad? Did they talk to me? Did that? Like, just let peace rule in your heart. Like, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. And then he says, to which you were called in one body, meaning we are all unified. We are all together as one body. And then he says, and you know what else will help? And now he's just like sprinkling stuff on top of the cake. He goes, you know what else will help? Be thankful. Be thank Say thank you. Like, isn't that crazy? Again, how low is the bar? <laughs> Where he says, if you really want to live in biblical community, practice this. Say thank you. And they say, thank you. I mean, how crazy is that? But he says, like, if you really want to live in biblical community, say thank you. Like, be thankful when things happen, when someone does something for you. Be, say thank you. Like, be thankful when things happen, when someone does something for you. Or even do it preemptively. Like, before they even do something for you, go to them and say, you know what? I am so thankful for you. Well, why are you thankful for me? Well, I'm thankful for you for this reason and this reason and this reason. And I just wanted to tell you that, so thank you. Like, that's crazy. But think about how much that means to people. Like, doesn't that mean something to people? And God knows this, which is why he puts it in his word. All right, look at verse 16. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you. Everyone say dwell. Dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus through him. Now, I love the way Paul ends this passage because he brings another element into biblical community. That it's not just about everybody hanging out, getting along together, having a good time. But he says, now I'm actually going to raise the bar. Now I want you to bring God's word into it. So he doesn't stop there and say biblical community is just a group of people getting along together and being unified. He says biblical community actually involves God's word. He says, actually, like, if you want to have biblical community, he says, teach and admonish one another. Dwell in the word of God richly. Like, let this word dwell in you richly. So if you're hanging out, 
Like if you're at Starbucks and you're hanging out with a group of friends and you're catching up and you're talking about church and you're doing all this stuff and you know, you're hanging out, but not one time it does this dwell in anyone richly. You have not experienced biblical community. You may have experienced experienced biblical community. You may have experienced friendship. You may have experienced togetherness and a fun time, but until God's word begins to transform our lives, we are not, we have not entered into biblical community. And guys, that's what makes community a value for us. That's what makes it different for us, is that we actually believe that we're not just trying to get people together who are just alike, who hang out with each other. We're actually trying to make this God-centered where everything revolves around him. Because look at verse 17. He says, and whatever you do. So there are no restrictions on what you do. Like whatever you do, whether it's by your words or by your actions, just do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. So like that's what makes it biblical community is it revolves around the Lord Jesus. All right, so um, I want to just kind of share with you guys from this passage as we're starting this new church, and this is going to be one of the things that actually guides and changes the way that we live and act in this community. Um, Let me share with you a few things. So if you're taking notes, I'd like for you to write some of these down. All right, number one, and you may have heard us say this before, we are not a church that offers community groups. We are a church of community groups. We are not a church that offers community groups. We are a church of community groups. Let me explain this to you, okay? Um, We have community groups at our church. We're going to talk about that uh, towards the end of today's message, but uh, we have community groups as a church, but for us, it's weird because we had to call it something, but listen to me. It is not a program for us. We do not program it out. Like, it is not something where we're like, okay, we have a director, and we have a program, and we have all these metrics, and we got to get everything in place. Like, for us, this is just, it is not a program for us. We do not program it out. Like, it is not something where we're like, okay, we have a director, and we have a program, and we have all these metrics, and we got to get everything in place. Like, for us, this is just who we are as a church. And uh, I'll never forget, like, walking into a church. You've probably heard me tell this story multiple times, but it's just so impactful. I walked into church, and I went to go preach one day, and I uh, looked behind the baptistry. Like, uh, behind me there was a big banner, and it said, ask us about our small groups. And so I was getting up to preach, and we were just starting our uh, other church in Fairfax. So I looked at the pastor and I said, hey, hey, pastor, tell me about your small groups. And he was like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, you know, tell me about your small groups. We're, we're doing small groups as a church and I'm looking to learn and see what other churches are doing. And I'd love to, love to pick your brain about it and see what you guys are doing. He said, what are you talking about? And I said, your small groups. He goes, well, Brandon, we don't have small groups. And I was like, you don't have small groups. I was like, are you never took off? So um, maybe we should learn from you guys. And I looked up at that banner, and I was like, dude, why do you still have a banner up that says, ask us about our small groups? His face turned blood red. He goes, I can't believe that's still up there. He goes, we put that up there two years ago. I haven't even noticed it. And I'm like, 
for two years. It's been the backdrop of your preaching. Like every week. Like it, you covered the baptistry with it. Like every week. And it says, like, ask us about our small groups. And he's like, yeah, we should have somebody take that down. I was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Listen, guys, for some churches, like, and I don't mean this, and this is not a judgmental thing. I'm just saying you might be used to in other churches that community groups is a program that they offer to help get people plugged in or connected. That is not what community groups are for Impact Church. Community groups is, it is how we fulfill the commands of Colossians 3, 12 through 17. It is how we bear with one another. It is how we show patience to one another. It, it is how we admonish one another with the word of God. It is how we sing psalms and spiritual hymns. Like, like this is community groups for us is not a program that we are offering to people if they want to take a next step. Listen, community groups is the bare minimum of who we are as a church. Like Sunday morning worship, this is awesome. Like this is so fun. Like, like I look forward, Sundays are my favorite day of the week. Like this is, this is just the best to me. I love this so much. But listen, this is only about one-tenth of what we do as a church. Like if this is what we do, and this is what we commit ourselves so once a week, we're going to show up for an hour and a half on Sunday mornings and do this. Then we have fulfilled about one-tenth of, and this is what we commit ourselves. So once a week, we're going to show up for an hour and a half on Sunday mornings and do this. Then we have fulfilled about one-tenth of the book of Acts. And again, an important one-tenth, an awesome one-tenth, a one-tenth that I truly look forward to every single week, but only one-tenth. And so I want to encourage you today, like, let's not let our relationship with God and our relationship with each other just be a, like, a once a week kind of thing. Like, let's actually live in biblical community. So we are not going to be a church that offers community groups as if they are optional or as if they are something that we would love for you to be a part of if you have time. But we're going to tell people, like, we're actually, the way our church is designed is that, like, community groups is, is who we are. Like living, like these little house churches scattered all throughout Fredericksburg. When people say, hey, pastor, where's your church at? I'm like, well, we're actually everywhere. And they're like, what do you mean? Actually everywhere. And they're like, what do you mean you're everywhere? I'm like, yeah, we're, we're everywhere. Like we, we got a church over here and we got a church over there and we got a church meeting over there. I was like, but we all get together on Sunday mornings. And that might be what you're asking me right now is we all get together on Sunday mornings at Cornerstone College near Germana Community College. And we all, all of our community groups get together at one time and worship the Lord Jesus together and celebrate what God has done throughout the week. Isn't that awesome? Like, that's the church, all right? And so that's what this is. So we are not a church that offers community groups. We are a church of community groups. Here's number two. Community is not defined by our personal preferences, but by God's word. Community is not defined by our personal preferences, but by God's word. See, here's the thing. If all you do, you don't have to put up with each other when you're only with people that you like, right? You don't have to be patient with people when you have dwindled your community down to just people that you don't have to practice patience with. 
Like the fact is, when we start to make our preferences king over the community that we build for ourselves, when we start to put our preferences first, what happens is we start to erase many of the commands we're given in the Bible. Many of the commands in the New Testament were given assume that you are hanging out with people who are different from you, right? They're different. Like the Bible assumes that. Like it's not explicitly said because it is assumed. Why else would you have to do these things, right? Why else would you have to be compassionate, kind, humble, meek, patient, put up with each other, um, uh, don't complain about each other, forgive each other, love each other, uh, have peace towards each other. And like, why would you have to do patient, put up with each other, um, uh, don't complain about each other, forgive each other, love each other, uh, have peace towards each other. And like, why would you have to do those things if you're only with people who are just like you, you don't. Biblical community is not just the people you prefer. Biblical community is a beautiful um, plate of spaghetti where every noodle is different, but all intertwined to become one. Like biblical community is saying, actually, we know that we're different. Like, God willing, we as a church want to grow with people who are from all sorts of nations, who speak all sorts of languages, who, who have all sorts of cultures and all sorts of experiences and all sorts of church backgrounds and all sorts of ideas and people who know about church and people who don't know anything about church and people who are from all over the place, like people from Pennsylvania County. Like, we want to reach all people everywhere, like, and, and not just um, uh, by the color of their skin or ethnicity or culture, but by life experience. Like, we don't want to just reach one age group. We want to reach every every age group. Like, this is who Jesus is for. But listen, like, when we segment ourselves into only people that we like, we are missing out in our own doing of God's design for true community. See, the fact is, for our own growth and sanctification, some of us need to be with some hard people. Some of us need to be with, around some people that are hard to love. Some of us are those people <laughs> that are hard to love and need to start invading the community, right, of, of impact. Like we, we are sometimes those people, and we need, it's good for us. It's good for us to be around them. So listen, community, and that one of the problems with like uh, one of the reasons a lot of people drop out of church when they get to college or maybe even after they graduate college, one of the reasons is because they're always taught to look for something for them, right? Like, I can't tell you as a church planner for 10 years how many times someone has sat with me and said, Brandon, I really love the church. I love the people. I love the community. I just have one concern. What's your concern? Like our theology, our doctrine? No, 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 no. What do you have for me? And it's like, well, I don't know. Do you need the gospel? Do you need community? Like, I don't know. And when we get to the heart of it, what they're saying is, well, I like to play sports. So where is the sports ministry? That's where I find community. Or I like to do art. Or I like to do yoga. Or I like to do whatever. Like, they just take their thing and fill in the blank and say, where is that ministry? That's where I find community. Or I like to do art. 
or I like to do yoga, or I like to do whatever. Like they just take their thing and fill in the blank and say, where is that, right? Or they'll say, where is my age group? right? So like, that's what we're taught is, is like, hey, you're with your age group and kids and then your age group with students. And we got to have something for college students and something for young adults. And then eventually you become like, like a, an adult, like you're not a young adult anymore. You're just an adult. And I'm talking to my therapist about it. And like, you do that and you get to that place and you're like, well, what's for me? And you're like, well, just the church. So welcome. You're here, right? Guys, listen, we ought not treat church like it exists to just meet our needs. I hope your needs are met here. But I also hope God will use you to meet other people's needs. And we can't do that when we only surround, we surround ourselves with people who are just like us. Number three. Number three. Life change happens in the context of community. Life change happens in the context of of community. I love in um, Colossians 3.16, <laughs> he tells them, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Because I can, I can imagine everybody in uh, Colossae, like they're hearing this, and they're like, okay, be patient, be kind, be humble, forgive each other, bear with each other. Like they're writing all this down. And I'd imagine they get to the bottom of the list and they're like, oh, I, Paul, how are we going to do this? Like, I can't do all of this. Like, maybe this week I'll work on my patience, but like, how do I do all of this at one time? And Paul says, well, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Like, you want to know how can I be all of these things at one time? The Holy Spirit starts to be like this. Only Jesus. You can't. Like, the bottom line is you'll never be humble enough for community. You'll never be able to forgive other people in true community. You'll never actually be able to bear with one another without the Spirit of God actively working in your life. You, this is impossible without Jesus. And that's what Paul is telling them in Colossians 3.16. He says, this is impossible unless you let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Like you, so you say like, well, Brandon, why does everything got to have the Bible in it? Because where else is our power going to come from? Where else is our strength going to come from apart from the word of God? So listen to me. The reason that we want community to be one of our core values and community to be something that guides everything we do is because we want to see life change. Okay. This is not about setting up a program. This is not about having some sort of secret to success in church planting. This, at the end of the day, is about seeing lives changed. Like, this is about seeing people who are walking in darkness right now become people who are walking in the light of God right now. This is about people who feel far off from God right now being drawn near to God through the blood of Christ right now. Like, this is what this is all about. So we want to be a church that values community because we are a church that values life change. We are a church that values people whose lives can be altered for an eternity. Man, how I know somebody knows somebody who is feeling lonely right now. Like it's just rampant in our culture with people who feel lost, forgotten, lonely. And guys, we are the church of God. We got the answer. Like we know the answer is not just joining a community group. The answer is letting Jesus change your church of God. We got the answer. Like we know 
The answer is not just joining a community group. The answer is letting Jesus change your life. And when Jesus changes your life, guys, he does that in the context of community, of a relationship. Like very seldom have I heard stories where someone's like, yeah, I was the deserted, the man on the deserted island and nobody was around. And I just believed in Jesus one day and repented of my sins. And, and yeah, I'm good. Like I just follow Jesus on my own. Like I've never, like that doesn't happen. Instead, we see people's lives are changed when they are in relationships with other people. All right, here's number four. It's the last one. Community is not easy. It's not easy. If it was easy, Paul wouldn't have written about it so much. If it was easy, it wouldn't have been like this as a church is not going to be easy. Like living in community with one another is not going to be easy. There are going to be times where we are going to have to forgive people that we are scared to forgive. There are going to be times that people are going to rub up against us and trigger us and do things towards us that are going to be hard. It is going to, it is not always easy. It is not always easy to honor Christ through this community. It's not easy practically. Where like now you're like, well, Brandon, I've got to rearrange my schedule to like fit community groups in. And listen to me, hear me say this. This is what's different about being a church of community groups rather than a church that offers community groups. A church that offers community groups is just offering you a program for you to consume. A church of community groups is a church of people. It's a church of community. So when we say things like, like, I don't know if I can rearrange my schedule. No, if I can rearrange my schedule for that. We are not saying, I don't know if I can rearrange my schedule for this church program. What we're saying is, I don't know if I can rearrange my schedule for you, for the people, for the people that I'm called to be in community with. See, sometimes we got to get personal about this. We got to realize that it's not going to be easy, but you are not making sacrifices to do one more thing for the church. You are making sacrifices to live in biblical community, which is God's design for every single one of us. Like, like the sacrifices that we make to be a part, the sacrifices we make personally to say, well, I've always ever been in a college-aged group, and I'm more comfortable with just college-aged people, but I guess I'll join the one with the, you know, this 30-year-old dude who's like, you know, doesn't know, I guess I'll join his group. Like, like you are making a sacrifice, and it is not always in his group. Like, like, you are making a sacrifice, and it is not always easy. But listen to me, church, it is biblical, and it is good. Like, it may not be easy, but let me tell you something. It is worth it. It is worth it. Like when you are following Jesus, like he will not always lead you to the easy places. Like Jesus, when you commit to following him, he does not always grab you by the hand and say, let's just skip along in the park and only do things that are super easy. In fact, if you've been following Jesus for more than like 30 minutes, you know that it can be difficult following Jesus. It is not always easy. But brother, sister, is it worth it? Is it good? Do you know that you would rather be with Jesus where he is than to be without him? Like, guys, that's what we're saying about community is we want to be where Jesus is. 
And it may not always be easy. It may not always be easy. It may not always be in our comfort zone. But guys, this is what it looks like to be a church of the Bible. This is what it looks like to be a church that says we're not going to just add a bunch of programs. We're going to strip it down. We're a blank canvas as a church. So what does the Bible say we need to look like? And we are utterly convinced. So let me ask this. What should this look like? So we've talked about this, but like, what does this look like? And I want to tell you two ways to respond today, okay? Two ways. Number one, you should experience community with God's people. Experience community with God's people. To know that this is not just a worship service, that this is, we're talking about getting involved in each other's lives. To know that this church did not start like in September of this past year when we launched worship services. This church started like 14, 15 months ago in a strangers who didn't know each other, but just knew that Jesus was calling us to something greater, to something more. And we gathered and we prayed and we shared meals together and we bared with each other and we were patient with each other and we walked with each other. That's how this church started. Like, this church did not start as this. This is in our DNA, at our very core of who we are. We're actually just a, a church of a few community groups because when that community group grew too big, we multiplied and became two. And now we've become three community groups. And God willing, this summer and this fall, we'll become four and, a church of four and five community groups. Um, you may wonder, maybe you haven't um, gotten involved in a community group, and you may wonder, what does it look like, and what should I expect, and, and how do our community groups, like, how do we fulfill this biblical vision? And uh, really, we do it uh, by giving all of our groups three in a community group, and you may wonder, what does it look like, and what should I expect, and, and how do our community groups, like, how do we fulfill this biblical vision? And uh, really, we do it uh, by giving all of our groups three main leaders, okay? Number one is every group has a leader, <laughs> a leader leader, all right? This is the person who's going to help teach you the word of God. This is a person who's going to help shepherd you, the person who's going to pray for you and hold you accountable and be with you. The second leader that we have is called a hospitality leader. And this leader, like, keeps us inwardly focused, like this leader comes to us and says, man, we got to take care of each other, guys. Like, don't forget about each other. Don't forget so-and-so's having a baby or so-and-so just changed jobs or so-and-so could really use some help or this person has a need or this person's in the hospital and rallies the troops to be inwardly focused and take care of each other. And then every group has a third leader, which is a missions leader. Let's go do something, you know. Let's go prayer walking. Let's go on one of these go trips together. Let's, let's go hang up door hangers. Let's go serve at a women's shelter. Like, let's go serve the community. Let's go do something. And so every group lives in this tension of saying, we want to be completely inwardly focused on each other, and we want to be completely outwardly focused, focused on those who aren't a part of us yet. Like, that's how we as a church... That's how the Bible is guiding us. So these are like little churches for us. These are not programs. This is how we live out the Bible together. This is how we live out the gospel together. Um, uh, worship team, you guys can go ahead and come up. And, um, but I want you to just kind of stay focused with me for just a second because I want to share with you why this is so important to me. When we started our first church nine years ago, 
We said we want to really be a church that is focused on church, that is focused on being a church of community groups. And a lot of people didn't understand why. And to be honest with you, I, I didn't completely understand why. But my thought was this. I can either spend millions of dollars building a new building, or I could use the millions of dollars worth of buildings we already have called homes, and we could just meet in those and do exactly what the Bible says rather than having to use all. And then the money that we save from spending millions of dollars on a building, we'll just give it away. We'll just give it to the poor. We'll just give it to the hurting. We'll just go use it to share the gospel in places like Kenya, Tunisia, Greece, India, Korea, Canada, Oregon. And I thought, that sounds a lot more thrilling to me than a building project. And so we started. What we saw happen along the way was uh, seven years later, was uh, seven years later, we found ourselves in the middle of an international pandemic. And in this pandemic, what happened is we had started and we had up to, I don't know, one time six or seven of these community groups scattered all throughout Fairfax County. And they all met together and we never had a building. And then all of a sudden we did meet in an elementary school and they shut that down. And it was unsafe to meet in large groups of people. And we thought, Lord, what are we going to do as a church? And so I began uh, talking to other pastors and hearing them say things like, I don't know what's going to happen. Our giving is down. We don't know what to do. How do we gather our people? How are our people are lonely? They feel isolated. What are we going to do? We can't meet in our buildings. They've shut our buildings down. Like we can't gather in these large places. Like what are we going to do? And I just remember sitting back and I was like, I don't. I don't, I, don't really, I don't really care about all that stuff. And so I just called our group leaders and I said, as it is safe to do so, and you are welcome, meet at your homes. Meet outside in the yards. Watch the service online on your phones and continue to do the work that God has called us to. And you know what happened? <laughs> they did. They did. Like, it was amazing. Like I would, and, and as it was safe to do so, we, we would do it. And, and then what, what I found out is the first time we were able to meet together in person as a church. Let's see. Uh, four months. We went four months without all meeting together as a church. And we weren't, we didn't need to reopen because we had no building to reopen. We were all just meeting. You know what we did when we got together four months later? We baptized five people in place. Just God's people gathering as they could that was safe to do so in their homes, in their front yards, on their back porches, gathering together, making disciples, sharing the gospel. We got together the next month with everyone together. We baptized two more people. We got to thinking, oh my gosh, we may never need a building again. This is amazing. And then you know what God did? God told our church it was time to multiply our church. That in the middle of a pandemic, we would send a team out of our church that would move to Fredericksburg, Virginia and start a brand new church in the thick of an international pandemic. Because how many of you know, people still need Jesus in the middle of tragedy. 
And so a team of people were purposefully sent out through the front door the bus, in the middle of tragedy. And so a team of people were purposefully sent out through the front door, the uh, figurative front door, and were sent out to come here to start this church. In fact, we had a building to meet in before that church that sent us out had a building to meet in. And you know what's happening? Now, at this moment, there's a church in Fredericksburg and a church in Chantilly, Virginia that are both meeting, preaching the gospel, making disciples, sharing the hope of Jesus to the nations right now. I share that story with you, church, to tell you that never could have happened if community groups was dwindled and watered down into a program that we offered to people. So I think, what does God have in store for us? If we commit our lives to true biblical community, even though we know it's not going to be easy, we know somebody's life is going to get changed. And what could that look like? God could change the person's life who we're going to send out of here to start another church in Washington, D.C., to start another church in Greece, to start another church in Canada. Their lives could be changed by coming into our living rooms this week. Man, how many of you want to be a part of that movement of God? Like, let's go for it, church. So community is going to be a guide that guides us but the final thing is we pray together. I want to ask you, if you're experiencing community with others, but let me ask you this. Have you experienced community with God? Because that is the community that changes our hearts. We offer, we are a church of community groups because, church of community groups because we are a people in community with God. God does not offer us a religion. God offers us a relationship. And that is the biggest invitation and the biggest value that we could give to you. So when we live in community with each other, we are simply pointing people to the bigger community they can live in in a relationship with God. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we want to experience true, awesome, powerful relationship with you, Lord. Lord, we pray right now that you would touch our hearts. Holy Spirit, that you would come in and help us live out Colossians 3. And help us be a church that is not content with just offering consumeristic programs, but a church that is all in to seeing lives changed for the glory of God. Church that meet all throughout Fredericksburg with lives that are being changed for all for the glory of Jesus Christ to all the nations. In Jesus' name we pray. Hi, Pastor Brandon here. Thanks again for listening to our Impact Church Sermon Podcast. If God has spoken to you today or you have a prayer request you'd like to share, please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. If you're local to the Fredericksburg area, we would love to see you for worship in person. But if not, please let us know if we can help you find a gospel-centered church right where you're at. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church. Until next time, keep living the dream.